everyone, and welcome to the Global Eating Disorder Conference. It's such an honor to have each and every one of you here today. Thank you to our speakers and thank you to our sponsors. And thank you again for being here today. At this time, I welcome our Master of Ceremonies, Dr. Lakeisha James. She's the CEO and founder of Designer Events by Lakeisha. Welcome. Thank you, Gigi. Well, again, welcome to the Global Eating Disorder Conference. How many of you watching are dealing with the eating disorder? Now, this is a sensitive topic for me because I'm a mother of a daughter that experiences. Most eating disorders evolve focusing too much on weight, body shape, and food. But tonight, we will hear from speakers that will share their story. So grab a pen and pad and let's take some notes. So let's get started. I'd like to introduce to you our host, Virginia Sabat. She's a motivational keynote speaker, award-winning author, life coach, Generation Asian American, the, walk of, the host of Walk With Me podcast on JRQ-TV, financial expert and CEO and founder of Life Service Center of America, endorsed by Les Brown. Welcome, Gigi. Thank you. It's an honor to be here today. So we're going to get started. Our first speaker is Pearl Corenza. She's a neuropathic empowerment life coach, author, speaker, and owner of Women's Successful Living. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my first speaker, Pearl Kanirinza. Hi, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Gigi, for putting this all together. Um, and I am on, my name is Pearl Sharenza. I am with Women's Successful Living. I am a naturopathic transformational life coach. So I help you transform through the power of saying no to others and yes to yourself and also help you set boundaries around those difficult life situations. And so today I just wanna to talk to you about what that means. What does it mean to say no to others and yes to yourself? And so I, if you notice, I started out with who I am. I Back in the day, if you'd met me probably about 10 years ago, I would have told you that I was a wife, I was a mom, I was a PTA volunteer, all these things that I did for others. And it took me sitting in an identity and destiny class after about six weeks, we had to give our I am statement. And that I am statement, I was saying everything I was, but who I was. And I had a friend say, I hear you keep saying you're a wife and a mom and all these great things, but I don't hear anything about Pearl still. And by the way, I hear you still talking a lot about your older son. And don't you have a younger son named Nate? You see, that hit me really home really fast because she was right. You know, my oldest son, after 10 years, we were able to adopt him. And I just wanted to make sure all the dreams he wanted to achieve, that we were helping him do that. And my younger son, Nate, he was a lot like I am, self-sufficient. He could build computers on his own, just a smart kid. But most of all, I lost who I was. I thought I had to be these titles that I grew up with, this mom and a wife, you know, all these things that we get told we are. So I needed to learn to declutter all those thoughts I had in my head, but I needed to learn how to say no to others because you could ask me to do anything as simple as come help you fold your laundry to something as big as plan an event. And even if it wasn't something I really didn't want to do, I would have told you yes, because I would have thought that you wanted me to say yes. And so that can equate to many areas in our life, including when it comes to eating or addictions, anything in our life. We think sometimes we have to do that because we don't want to disappoint. And, you know, we're with ourselves 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I needed to go on a path to figure out who I was, stop people pleasing, because that was really my big challenge I had was the people pleasing. So I decided to take some time to figure out what my next step was to be. And I realized how many times I would say yes to others and not show up for myself. 
And so I decided I need to do something drastic. So I got something as simple as I was walking outside one day and there was this pebble on the ground, just caught my attention while I was going through this process. And I decided I needed to move this pebble three times a day to say no to something that did not serve me to saying yes to myself. So if you'd come and ask me to do help you with an event or help you with a project, I, I had to really stop and think, does this align with what I want to do? Does this align with my goals? Does it align with what I want for myself? Does it align with my health? And if it didn't, then I had to say no. And trust me, it wasn't easy to start with. But once I started stepping into the no to them and yes to myself, I found myself starting to be stronger and be able to say no. And as I became stronger, I came down this path of becoming happier with my choices. But the big aha happened when I started realizing for many, many years, I kept saying yes to things I didn't want to do. I wasn't showing up the way I want to show up. And I was actually closing a door to somebody else that probably could have done the thing I was saying yes to better than I did. And when that aha hit me, I had to sit down and really think to myself, how many people have I met that I kept a door closed to them and didn't allow them to shine because I thought I needed to say yes to somebody because I was concerned about their feelings instead of concerned about what was right for me. And so as I did that, I started to declutter things in my life. I realized my life wasn't as stressful anymore, that each passing year, I was no longer feeling the impact of that stress. And I was no longer unhealthy. I was no longer unhappy. And my unhealthiness was leading to choices in my life that I did not want to make, especially around food. I went back to the creature comfort of food for myself. And as I started to declutter those things out of my life, my stress became less and I started showing up for myself in my mind, body, and spirit. And my choices being healthier were so much better for my, for my own health. And so what I want to share with you today is that know that your mindset counts. You know, if you can imagine a life with less stress, increased happiness, improved performance across all aspects of your life, you can do that by just breaking out of current habits that are holding us back. Something as simple as a pebble can make a big difference in your life. And it can be whatever it is that works for you. Mine was a pebble. It could be, you know, I, I may not have had a pocket, but it was in my bra strap. It could be stopping for five seconds and counting the number five. It could be looking to somebody and saying, I need to hold accountability. Can I run this past somebody first and come back? Whatever that step has got to be for you, that's what you start. And so one of the things I want you to think about is starting fresh. When I started fresh with this pebble, my life became so much, as I said, less stressful. It wasn't boring anymore. I, I was starting to do things that I love to do. I really was making my life turn upside down for the good so that I was getting up in the morning and I wasn't stressed out. I could have got upset over making a grilled cheese sandwich for dinner sometimes because I would become home so stressed from being so spread thin from saying yes to everything that it wasn't serving my life right. And so I was able to re revise my current way of life. I was able to start having sushi dinners or lunches with my oldest son. That was our love language. If he needed to talk, he would say, mom, can we go have sushi? I was starting to go to more movies with my younger, my younger son because that was his love language. So let's go hang out and watch a movie together. I didn't care what it was. I was spending time with him, right? 
So I was learning to show up in my life more. And then the, the practice of saying yes, it really got me out of my comfort zone because how many times do you say yes so excitedly? But when you say, you know, you're like curled up in a little corner. No, I, I, I can't do that. Uh, I want to do, no. I started saying no so excitedly. And here's the thing. If when I said no, sometimes I knew who I wanted to bring in front of them and I would say, hey, you know what? It, right now it's not a great fit for me. And I know so-and-so who does that really well that I would love to introduce you to. So when was the last time you tried something new or challenging? Like to really open up, if you are pro- having a problem saying yes to everybody, start practicing it to yourself. Start saying no in the mirror and smiling when you say no. Because when you can open up those new experiences that will come into your life as you say yes to yourself, you're going to start choosing things that make you feel good. And so I want to ask you this question. When was the last time you sat down and wrote out a what brings you joy list? I would challenge you to write down 10 things that bring you joy, but I don't want it to be just anything. Our kids bring us joy. That's great. You know, getting up in the morning is sunshine. That's great. That brings me joy. But why does it bring you joy? I had somebody say to me, I love cutting, uh, bringing me joy doing somebody's hair. That's great. My hairdresser brings me joy too. But why does that bring you joy that you want to do that every day over and over again? And we started breaking it down. She would tell me something. I said, okay, so then what? And we broke, broke it all down. What it really was about was watching the smiles that came out of the ladies sitting in the chair as they were transforming into this beautiful self that they were not seeing in the mirror. That's what really brought her joy. And so if you could sit down and make that list, I challenge you to make a list of five. And then what I would challenge you to do, we make lists every day. What do you got to do for the kids? What do you got to do to go to the grocery store? We make these to-do lists every day. I want you to make a not to-do list. I want you to sit down and make a list of all those things that you have to stop doing because you're saying yes to so many people, but you're not showing up for yourself. So it may be that I have to stop saying yes to somebody. It may be that I have to stop going to the gym in the morning because I'm really not working out. I'm spending this money, right? It could be something as simple as maybe it's not doing something for your kids because you know they can do it for themselves. Maybe it's like letting them fold their own clothes. Because when you start doing the not to do list, and maybe it's even something as simple as telling yourself the negative thoughts, I'm not worthy, I can't do it. If you say to yourself, you're not worthy and I can't do it, trust me, friends, you will always feel not worthy. You always think you can't do something. So I'm going to challenge you to take that not to do list and stop doing those things as you can concentrate more on your joy list. Because once you start doing that, the things that will happen in your life and the declutter you will do in your life will open up those things that you love to do. You will then become empowered to start doing things that you've been putting on the shelf. You know, I do this annual pajama retreat. We have 26 women showing up in less than 10 days. And I ask them, what's something that you want to start doing that you haven't done? That What's the big dream you have? And when they come to us in 10 days, we're going to talk about the things they have to declutter from their life, the things they have to say no to, the things that they have to stop being fearful of, so they can start walking in their dreams and their visions that they have for themselves. Because I'm going to leave you with this. A year ago, July, I lost my oldest son, Matthew, in a tragic car accident. Matthew saw me live my life as what I call our Shiro. He saw me become stronger, happier, empowered, radiant, and living in my original self. Many people ask me, how do you still go on, Pearl? 
I truly believe that that's who I was brought into this world to be. I believe that God gave me the talent to live this life and to show other women that we can put ourselves first without guilt because tomorrow may not come everybody. And if your family, all they could say about you at your eulogy was what they saw you do for yourself. What's three things they'll say. If you can't think of three things, you need to work on that joy list. Because I can tell you, my family is going to tell you, they saw me do staycations. They saw me just show up for a friend on a flight sometimes, or they show me, saw me say no to many things that people would have probably said I, I should have done, including taking care of my mother. So when you guys can do that, and when you can step into that, that no and step in a yes for yourself, you will show up as a shero that you are. And if you're struggling with that, if you want to know where you're showing up as a shero in your life, I'm going to challenge you to go and download my ebook. It's called pearlsebook.com. It's real simple, pearlsebook.com. And you'll get some ultimate steps to guiltless self-care that you can start today. Because I'm going to share with you that you come into this world. You're a little rough on the outside. We are all these oysters that are waiting to be opened. And once you open that oyster on the inside, there is a beautiful pearl within each and every one of you. And I hope today when you go to bed tonight, you open your own pearl to inner greatness. Thank you. Thank you, Pearl. Thank you, Pearl. So yeah, I took a couple of notes. Your mindset counts, which is absolutely true. Break out of certain habits. And you know what? I just learned how to say no. I still have an issue with saying no. I'm still learning. Great takeaway. Thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome. And our next speaker is our keynote speaker. Zoe Abbott, she's a financial consultant, entrepreneur, and leader in the financial services industry. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our keynote speaker, Zoe Abbott. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me on. It's such an honor to have you here today, Zoe. And at, at this time, we're going to do a Q&A segment, Zoe and I. And so, Zoe, tell us a little bit more about you, where you're from, and, and tell us a little bit more about your journey with an eating disorder. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, um, I was born in Iowa. Um, I'm 35 years old. I started getting, um, I started noticing that I was getting uh, larger than other kids when I was about six years old. And that's when I, you know, started feeling bad about myself or that I, you know, was fat and things like that. And uh, I suffered physical abuse from my father um, from the age of six to 14, um, anywhere from force feeding to, you know, beating me up or hitting me if I ate things that I shouldn't. Um, I used to have to, they, we got these sticks from a pharmacy called keto strips where you would have to pee on them to see if your body was in ketosis. And I was, you know, fed, um, uh, weight loss supplements and, and uh, appetite suppressants and stuff at the age of nine. So, um, I continued to, to battle with my weight, probably my whole, my whole life. Um, and there was a real turning point that happened to me. And this was like a few years ago. Um, I had reached, I'm five two and I had reached over 320 pounds. And, um, and it was interesting because I started looking at how I could really apply all the principles that I've learned in my business. You know, I was able to, you know, build a really good financial services and insurance-based business. Um, 
I had been doing it for, I'm almost 10 years in the business now. And it was really taking a look and realizing that I really needed to make a change. And that happened. And so, you know, I lost over 150 pounds um, and have managed to, you know, <laughs> it's a continuous battle. Okay. But I'm in an, a way more amazing mental physical and spiritual state than I was uh, prior to this. So, I mean, that's a little brief on me, but I would, you know, love to go back and forth with you on anything that, you know, you think would be important to talk about. I love it, Zoe. Thank you for sharing that with us. Now, walk us through the moment where you decided to transform your life. What was the aha moment? There were a couple of kind of awful things that happened. Uh, my father passed away. You know, when I talk about the abuse, but at the same time, my father was also the person I love the most in my life. And, you know, we had this very difficult relationship and it's hard to explain that, um, you know, through religion and counseling and all types of stuff. By the time I was a grown up, him and I had gone through everything together. I understood he was coming from a place you know, of his own trauma, you know, and by then we were very, very close. And when he passed away very suddenly early in life, he was in his fifties. Um, that really was a wake up call to me. I was like, I want to be around, you know, I have a young daughter. I have a lot to live for. I've been struggling with this my entire life. Um, it's horrible just walking around, just feeling like terrible. You know, I mean, that's the truth, like not just for health reasons, but just how I felt about the way that I looked, you know, and everyone has, you know, their own feelings about wherever they're at, you know, and so there was that there were a couple other things that happened. Gigi, I'm going to be totally honest with you. So I was at an amusement park and I waited like an hour and a half in a line. And by the time I got to the ride, um, I thought I had checked that I would fit in the seat, you know, and I was like, oh, it looks fine, you know, but when I got there, they couldn't close it on me. And there were two guys on the ride and they were literally like almost beating me into the seat, like smashing it down and I couldn't. And it was mortifying. I had to get up and leave in front of everyone. And it was just, it was so awful for me. And I really, I really hit a point of, depression on it. And I was like, you know what, I really have to do something about it. And I had hit these different points in my life. There were different times when I did these crash diets and starvation and 500 calories a day for 60 days straight. And, you know, I drunk only water for 30 days. Like I did every type of thing you can imagine. I had lost 30 to 60 pounds at a time, gone up, gone down. I'd always regained all my weight and gotten bigger every single time. It was horrible. Um, and that was the time that was a really um, life changing thing for me. It was also pretty awful because I was having to travel a lot more for work. And every time I went in an airplane, I couldn't close the seatbelt. So I would sit mortified, either not wearing a seatbelt or, or at all. Or if if the um, stewardess is walking by me, I try to get the seatbelt extender without someone noticing. And it was just it was really just an awful place to be. You know, so these were really just like life changing things that made me click. And one of the things I noticed the other speakers and probably is going to be a recurring theme throughout every single person's talk mindset. It all starts with mindset, you know, in your moment, your thing that's going to click for you 
it's going to click for you whenever it clicks for you. And that's the problem. Like some people are wired that they're like five or 10 pounds overweight. They're like on it. You know, they won't let it happen. And for me, I was always, what's wrong with me? My switch is broken. I have to be like 200 pounds overweight before anything happens, before I'm like, this is my moment, you know? So, you know, whatever it is, you know, it's, uh, we all, we all have our struggles, you know, it just, it's just, you know, when you have a weight struggle and you're really obese, it, it's hard to hide it from anyone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everyone can see that it's your struggle. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, yeah. So that was a pretty determining moment for me. Very powerful. Now, Zoe, you mentioned depression. What message yeah. do you have for folks who are battling a depression right now as well as it relates to their eating disorder? What message do you have for those folks? You know, I'm going to tell you why. Um, I truly believe that the the big thing that made a difference for me was, and I and I believe this in business and I believe this in life. When you have an area that you are not doing super great in, get a coach, get a coach. And for me, uh, for if you're trying to lose weight, get a trainer and nutritionist to work with you. Someone who's actually like, this is what they do. You know, you want to find the right person for you, but I believe that across the board, just like in business, you find a mentor if you're trying to get healthy and lose weight, like find a coach, find a trainer or someone. I personally feel like exercise and all of that is one of the best, you know, therapies that exist. You know, like I think that if you can get your body moving and, and don't get me wrong, when you're really overweight, like I was 320 pounds, you know, my knees would hurt, stuff like that. I, you know, I had to like, look at my actual physical ability and that got better and better. The more that I did it, you know, there was a gradient for sure. But honestly, I found forcing myself to do that or get in some sort of routine on a gradient, get coached on with like to wins, like where I could have like a target and reach it. Or if it wasn't something that was too extreme. And I just was consistent and steady. Every time I fell off, I just kept back on, you know, I think that that managed my emotions a lot. Thank you, Zoe. Now, many individuals with an eating disorder, they have a fear to even look in the mirror. What message do you have for those folks who avoid looking into the mirror? You know, okay. So on my side, I think you have to, um, I think you have to face that because personally, one of the reasons that I got as bad as I did was that I didn't face what was in front of me. You know, it's like I was over 320 pounds before I realized I was 320 pounds. I could gain 50 pounds without even noticing. And that's just because I wasn't facing it. So I think, I think facing it is really important. You know, I think not facing it is kind of what leads to these problems. But I would say you know, you definitely, there's very non-constructive things to do. Like beating yourself up doesn't help. I know every time you make a decision and you fall off or you fail or you break your, whatever it is, whatever contract you've made with yourself, it hurts you a little bit every time you do that. Right. And I think a lot of people feel terrible about that, but you know, my, I guess, message or advice is just keep just keep picking yourself back up and getting back on track. You know, that's all you can do. So. Very true. Thank you, Zoe. Mm -hmm. Now, what last words do you have for the audience? You know, um, 
I just, I love that I'm here and I love that everyone on this call has, we're all here with a mutual purpose. And I think that there are going to be like some very strong messages, the mindset message, there's going to be things that we all really agree on. And I hope to show you that, you know, I am living proof that you can, you know, you can change and you can uh, improve, you know, I'm still on my journey. But let me tell you, I am so much happier than I was, you know, when I was struggling before. And, um, you know, probably the biggest thing is just keep your eye on what it is that you want for yourself and continue to move forward. You know, never give up. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Zoe. Thank you, Zoe, for being here. Oh, thank you. I know a lot of us on this platform, a lot of people that are watching. This is, a, like I said, a very sensitive subject. Because like I said, I am a mother. I have a daughter that's still dealing with it. She started hers in high school. So we're still, like you said, it's an ongoing process and it's a journey. So thank you so much for sharing your truth and sharing your story and impacting millions that are watching today. Thank you so much for thank, that. Thank you so much. Our next speaker is Melissa Jackson. She's a speaker, coach, and retail specialist. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Melissa Jackson. Hello, hello. Thank you guys so much for having me on here today. I appreciate it. So what I want to talk to you guys about, I'll share with you a story. Um, weight has been a problem for me for the majority of my life. I was actually over 10 pounds when I was born as a baby. And then I weighed all the way up as a teenager to around 300 and something pounds. Like I was big. I stopped stepping on the scale. Um, and the reason why I say those things is because I tried every single diet, every single thing that there possibly was that I could think of to try to lose the weight. And something that had been ingrained in me for a very long time was that I'm never going to lose the weight, that I was never meant to be skinny. I was never meant to be fit. I was never meant to be healthy and all of these things, because I also struggle with chronic illness where my joints and my bones separate spontaneously and my brain physically does not fit to my skull. So the thought of working out was already painful as it was. You add on those extra pounds that I had, it was absolutely devastating. Also diabetes ran in my family. So I had a lot of family members that had their legs amputated and a bunch of other things. And I was just told, you know, you're going to be a big girl. And I tried to combat that for a long time. And the very big turning point for me was when I was about 14 years old. I grew up in a lot of violence and everything. Um, but I was on a, a two week long fast, right? Nothing but mustard and pickles. People ask why mustard and pickles is because it has zero calories, right? And I overdosed on diet pills. And it was at that moment where my whole life flashed in front of my eyes. I didn't think I was going to make it. I was home alone and life hit me very quickly. And I realized that I had something else to live for. And I want people to ask themselves that question too. Why are you here? Who are you meant to impact? There's a reason why you're here. Because a lot of times when you go through these kinds of things and you hate your body, you hate the way you're living life, hate your health, whatever it may be, you may lose the answer to that question, not understand why you are here, who you're meant to impact. And I guarantee you, there are multiple people that are here, whether they say something or not, they are here because they're watching you. So as I crawled myself across the kitchen floor, I made it there and I basically got all the pills out of my system I could inhaled as much bread as I possibly could. 
And I said a prayer and I said, God, if you let me live through this, I promise to you that I'm going to be the best version of myself for myself. I'm going to show people that they can do anything that they put their minds to, regardless of other people's opinions, limitations, or oppressions. And that hurt people hurt people and that doesn't make them right. Now, that last sentence, that includes you. That includes you hurting yourself by procrastinating on what you want in your life, who you want to be, what you deserve to have, talking yourself out and telling yourself that you're not worthy of having the body, the health, all of those things that you want in your life because you have a problem with your own identity and what you identify as. I had identified as somebody that would always be overweight. So what was I? Someone who was always overweight. Your mind is going to make it so you're right, no matter what happens to you. So after those years, what I did is I lost a lot of weight. I did a hundred mile bike race. I did a lot of working out and everything like that. I had 12 surgeries back to back, including brain surgery regardless to all of this. And I had a dislocated shoulder for over a decade. Regardless, still did the 100 mile bike race, still lost a lot of weight. And then in 2022, last year, I decided, you know what, I'm gonna take this one step further. I'm already breaking what the doctors tell me I can and cannot do. I'm already doing more things. I was told I'd be paralyzed by the time I was 35 years old. That's not happening. It's not going to happen. I turn 34 next month. It's still not going to happen. My health is better than it's ever been. But I want to do something different. I want to challenge my own mindset a little bit. So I signed up for a bikini competition. This was after getting my shoulder completely reconstructed. They rebuilt everything. $60,000, $70,000 shoulder surgery because it was dislocated for over a decade. But I said, you know what? I'm doing a bikini competition anyways. And I'm not going to do it by crash dieting. I'm not going to do it by abusing my body. I'm not going to be doing it by running myself into the ground. I'm not going to be doing it by taking any bad drugs or illegal drugs or whatever it may be. I'm going to do this thing. I don't care if I win. It's me versus me. Me versus that limitation in my mind. And I'm going to do this bikini competition. Not because I hate the way I look, but because I love who I am. I want to say that again because I want to make sure people get it. When it comes to these eating disorders and it comes to this weight loss thing, a lot of the times the reason why they don't succeed is they don't succeed because you're not doing it out of a way of loving yourself. You're doing it out of a way of hating yourself, hating where you're at in your life, being disgusted in what you look like in the mirror, being disgusted in where you're at in your life. Nothing ever in life is built successfully out of hatred, ever. If you're working a nine to five job and your boss comes up to you, for instance, and says, hey, this freaking retail store is destroyed. It sucks. You suck. And we should do better. It's not going to work. Is anybody going to be motivated by that? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. But if they went up to you and said, hey, you know, we got some things we need to work on, but I know I believe in you. I believe in the team that we hired. I believe in the mission that we have as a company. And I want to see this on the other side. Let's figure out a way to make this happen that's going to get a lot better of a result. So when I did this bikini competition, I was very specific. It was not going to destroy my body in the process of it. I was going to build the version of me that I love even more. And I wasn't the top competitor, no, but I did win most inspirational competitor. And I did place fourth place in one of my classes for my very first time without taking, and it wasn't an all natural 
program either, but I didn't take any of the extra things that everyone else took, or a lot of them may have been able to take. And I did it all naturally, slow and steady. And I did it because I wanted to build a version of myself that felt healthy, that was built out of love, that broke the mindset of who I was, who I always told myself that I was. When you break that identity, you can break through another reality. One quote that keeps in my mind consistently is by Will Smith, and he says, self-discipline is self-love. Meaning that self-discipline, that's how you express to yourself that you deserve better. Self-discipline is how you can say, you know what, I know you really want this cheeseburger right now, but what you want more is you want this goal. You want this dream. You want this vision. You want this business. You want whatever it is. And being able to stay disciplined enough and love yourself enough to go towards a bigger target in life. And that's what the difference was between this time and last time. I didn't, I didn't sit there and go on a two-week-long fast because I hated myself. I did it the right way and I lost 70 pounds in a year because I loved myself, regardless of the chronic illness, regardless of being bedridden on some days, regardless of any of that, because I knew I deserved better. I knew I deserved to see what my life would look like. And I guess I'll end it with this. Another favorite quote I have is by Eric Thomas. And he says that you deserve to see what your life would look like if you gave 120. So many people stand on the sidelines, scared to jump. The longer that we take to jump and build something that we love and build it with love versus self-resentment, the longer we're going to stay stuck on the sidelines. Sooner you can jump out there and build something with love. It's going to be the sooner they inspire somebody else to do the same. So thank you guys so much for having me on here. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you, Melissa, for your vulnerability. Again, you guys are amazing, like superheroes, rock stars. Thank you so much for sharing this platform with us today. Our next speaker is Katia N. Miller-Pagan. Dr. Katia is what they call her. She was born and raised in Puerto Rico, studied nursing and medicine, and was diagnosed with multiple cirrhosis, ending her residency. She is the founder and CEO of K. Miller Wellness and Hybrid Healing, Puerto Rico, where she focuses on concierge medicine tailored to clients' unique composition, guiding and empowering them to their journey of self-healing, as an intention is to allow them the opportunity to activate and awaken their inner healer. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Dr. Katia N. Miller-Pagan. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for having me. Ooh. I'm gonna take three deep breaths in. Feel free to join me. It's an honor for me to be here today. And when I really sat in stillness about what I wanted to bring forth, we all reflect each other. And I feel that's very important when we feel called to be the person creating the intervention. 
one of the things that I witnessed as a doctor with family relatives wanting to support their loved ones is the imposition and the disempowering energy that results, even if the intention is, I love you, I want to help you, I'm doing this to support you. And what I want to bring into the awareness is several things that I feel serve because I began doing them for me. And to give you context, the way I'm bringing this forth is I had a personal experience with an eating disorder. It was unspecified, if you will, because during school seasons, I would be in sports and I would very much hustle all the time to a point that I wanted to be the best at everything, basketball, volleyball, swimming, martial arts, gymnastics. And what I wasn't understanding was that what I was reflecting was the environment around me. Bear with me. We get to open this with compassion. We as kids, as humans, we mirror what we see around each other. We mirror how our parents treat food. We mirror how our environment responds to how they eat. You gained weight, you lost weight, and the energy of how this really happens imprints on you. By you, I mean me. And when I noticed the after effect, I was beginning a wellness journey for myself in 2020, and I got... I feel into my head when it comes to how I wanted to honor my body. And I also noticed that energy imprinted on my family, my kids, my husband. When I saw myself reflected in how they responded to food, the exceptions and the guilt or the shame around several aspects of food, I noticed that I was the one responsible. And when it comes to family intervention, what I am learning is that we are not the ones indicated to bring this intervention. We are, in fact, called to create an intention of what we really desire for the ones that we love. And I'm getting chills because what really lands here is do you understand how you feel when you witness your loved one? If you understand how you feel, the emotions that are coming up for you, you will understand what the outcome intention is for them and also for you. This is also why you, also, you want to intervene. So naming how you feel and sitting with what you want outcome and the intention is one thing. I feel the second thing would be be ready with information because you're not going to be their savior. Again, my experience was that my environment, my family, my friends, where I grew up already had 
a way to imprint a behavior in me with food. So it feels almost imposing and resisting to see somebody that in a way has a subconscious pattern with food that has not acknowledged. And it's not that person knows it, it's that there's an energy. Again, when you intervene, what are you feeling? What is coming up when you're seeing your loved one suffer? Because that's what's coming out when you're speaking. And yes, you may have the intention of serving, but you're not the savior. You get to feel yourself, calm yourself down, get the information for the intervention, and then ask for invitation. Are you open for me to tell you something that's coming up for me right now? I love you so much. And I notice how I feel when I keep on noticing it. Are you open? Do you have space? Be ready for the no. You get to honor how you feel. You get to honor how they feel. And you also get to wonder if even by being the loved one intervening, are you not also reflecting a possibility and they may be jealous that you probably have it figured out? So you get to have compassion. Their response is normal. What I invite you to consider is always ask before you come forth with any conversation and be ready for the no, step back. And if that conversation never occurs, what I invite you to do is to reflect. Sit with how you feel about food. Sit with how you feel with them not honoring their bodies with food. Sit with where you got this from and find a way to become what you see in them. Because this is also about you, how you embody food, how you enjoy your body, how you enjoy yourself in a mirror, how you enjoy how you look, how you compliment yourself mindset. And that is the way to start finding it all inside. If you find that awareness, and you look at yourself in the mirror, and you ask yourself, how can I be a reflection today? You almost already know how to eat. You almost already know how to speak about food. You almost already know what kind of exercises or movement you can give your body. That's if the family member is not open for the conversation. The flip side is they are. And you can bring forth a conversation that in order for it to open instead of close brings you and your feelings first. I notice this comes up when I see or when I witness, this brings this feeling into my body. 
what I desire is. And then you can state to find a way around this together, that we may work together, or that you can allow me to offer you support and also be ready. Am I stepping on your toes? Do you want me to lean back? You get to have that. You get to open that space because we are surrounded by unconscious ways around weight, around body, around image, around what things get to look like. The last thing our loved ones want is us to be all judgy about it. And this is what I want. And I got this number for you. And I got this appointment. They're going to resist. So again, sit with the intention. Ask yourself, what are you feeling when you're noticing this? What do you want for you and for them? Get the information, get the resources, and get ready for not being the hero. Then have that invitation before you have that initiation of the conversation. Then you get to lean back. For them to have the space to integrate, respond, reflect, as you become the mirror and the reflection. Thank you for your time. I love you. Thank you, Dr. Katia. Thank you, Dr. Katia. I was a pleasure seeing you. Thank you so much. I think everything that we do in life needs to be with intention, especially with something so sensitive. You know. Thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing your story with us. Before we introduce our next speaker, I would like to thank the sponsors, um, Ragni Sneakers. She's the founder of World Women's Conference and Awards, Women Entrepreneurs TV, Changemakers Coach, Public Speaker, Michael D. Butler. He is the CEO of Beyond Publishing, Book Publisher, Global Speaker, and Media Coach. Daniel Gomez, he's a keynote speaker, corporate trainer, executive coach, confidence architect, and author. Melanie, she is the founder of Everyday Leaders, professional coaching and consulting, and she's a certified John Maxwell team leadership coach, speaker, and trainer. And of course, me truly, Dr. Keisha. I am the CEO and founder of Design Events Pilot Keisha. So our next speaker is Erin Reeland. She's a certified disordered eating, anxiety, trauma, and mental health coach, breathwork facilitator, and NLP practitioner and body love coaching. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Erin Braylon. Thank you. Gosh, I'm so grateful for this. It was so um, amazing to hear people in, in the different perspectives. And that is what I'm just so appreciative of because with eating disorders, there is you know, the run of the gamut. There's not one look, one type, anything. So it's, it's really, um, I think, important to, to bring that to the attention because um, I'm only giving like an, from my perspective and from my own journey. But in that, I know that there are so many others and so many things. And so not to lessen anyone else's struggle. And uh, so I, had an eating disorder for 20 years and from 15 to 35 years old, I have been recovered for going on eight. I consider myself fully recovered. And those 20 years were in and out of treatment centers and basically like a revolving door. And so 
if you would have asked me or if you would have asked my friends or family, like where I would be now, like how I am now to how I was in my eating disorder, like they would never, and that's okay. Think I, I would be, you know, uh, recovered. And I didn't think I would because I was my eating disorder. I identified as, you know, I'm Aaron. I have an eating disorder. Like that was just who I was. And so I gave it, that identity so much power because I didn't know who I was. I was scared. I had no clue who I was. And uh, I had a lot of people asking, or I had people ask, well, if you go to treatment, why, why aren't you better? Like, you know, it, and it's, it's not easy. I had no answer to why I wasn't better. I had all the treatment. I was so lucky to have been given the treatment. And so when I say this is like the, there's millions, I think it's 60 million people have eating disorders and eating disorders is like the highest psychiatric death in all of that, except for opioid abuse. And when you hear these statistics of like one person every 60 minutes will die of an eating disorder or complications, it's like, it's like mind blowing. You know, you're like, what? But that's the reality. And so I feel the more people can speak about getting help and it's okay. And it doesn't have to be the look of the complete, you know, stereotypical, I want to say like eating disorder, which you may think it could be anything. It's like, if your mind is taking up more space about food, exercise, diet, anything, then that's something to look at. And I'm only saying this now on the, on the back end, because it took me like 20 years to figure this all out. So I'm not saying this is easy. Um, I began to wonder why, like, what was it? Why can I not recover? Where's there's something, there has to be something like, I'm not stupid and I couldn't figure out the eating disorder, but why was I so sick? And until I really took a step back and, and allowed myself to feel it kind of, it was a simple, simple answer yet. So, uh, so complicated. And it was my trauma. It led back to my trauma. And I want to say like at least half of eating disorders have some sort of base trauma, not all of them, but mine was extensive childhood sexual trauma. And it um, shaped the lens I lived in. I didn't know. So I hated myself. I, I was felt disgusting. And these things all start to come together on, on the back end of, of things. Uh, but I felt these things at the time. So I used my eating disorder to numb, distract, um, give myself a, a sense of control because that control is taken from me. And any which way to not be in this body that I was so, so terrified of. And um, it was pulling back these layers. And my last treatment center, like halfway across the country, like eight years ago, uh, I was FaceTiming with my son, who was seven at the time. And um, I chose to get a feeding tube because I wasn't, you know, restoring weight, but I chose. Um, and he looked at me and he said, are you going to die? Are you sick? And it was like, like just heart wrenching, like really, really hard. Um, Sorry, I still get emotional. Um, but it was really, really, really hard. And I actually took a screenshot of that moment 
because I knew I would look back on it and be so proud of myself. Um, Cause that was really the catalyst. It wasn't that I got, it was great. And I became, you know, all better and healed and life was dandy. No, it was, it was a lot of, of, of work. And, but at the same time, I know recovery is possible. It's, it's me. So I, in this recovery, I decided, okay, you know what? There is something bigger than me. Something is calling me to do something different. So I left, I left my job at Stanford and I decided that I was going to go help other women. I was going to make a difference. I was going to do something. So I, my calling was okay, do this. So I got, you know, all these different certifications and, and different modalities to help other women and men going through the same type of things I had gone through because I have a saying it's called hope. And it's so if I could help one person every day in any which way, then I feel like that's my purpose. And I will continue to speak on, on platforms and continue to get the, the message out and the realities uh, because no one wants an eating disorder. It's not fun. It's not cute. It's none of that. It takes over your life. It is really horrible uh, on some points. Uh, and it is it is one of the hardest things to get over, but I can tell you it wasn't linear, but I'm here. I, sh in, I know there is something bigger than me, like having me sit here today, speaking with you, everyone, because I shouldn't be here. There's no reason I, you know, I was so, so sick for so, so long. And I did so many, it was just really, really bad. So I know that there is something bigger than greater than me that has kept me here. And I am, I don't like forget that, that's something bigger, like, because I know on what my passion and my purpose is, you know, um, I don't want someone to suffer like I did. And they aren't because I, I will be there. I will be that voice for them. I will walk with them. I'm not going to try to force him. I always say to my clients, um, I'm not here to do your work or to do the work or to do work. I'm here to go with you on this journey, on this path with you. I'm not here to make you do anything. So that's been really important that I never make anyone do or push people because uh, that never worked for me. And I find that it gives a better relationship with people that want to get better, um, but may not know how. And so I meet them where they're at. Um, it's just been, it's been a journey. And so now I have a 15 year old son who I can be present with, who I can see grow, like growing up and, and actually being there for him is just, it makes my heart so happy. And I'm so, so grateful. Um, and a thing that I'd also like to say is um, in eating disorders, mo no, the body is, uh, you know, the, the problem to the person with the eating disorder, the body is what we hate. It's the, as, but it's just the vessel. It's just the vessel, large, small, this, that it's the, it's, we, it's the inside. It's the, the core part of us that are, is hurting. That is sad. 
and you, I always think you're not broken and you don't need to be fixed. Um, that the more you can um, begin to settle into your body, like acknowledging it, liking it, then beginning to love it, which is like, was crazy for me to think I would love my body. I, I had such an attitude. I'd be like, okay, you love your body, but now I understand. And so it's been this journey. And the more I, I continue to grow, I don't think I'm ever going to be done growing. And I like that. I like that. I continually be reminded of where I was and where I am. And so it's, I always feel God will not give me anything that I cannot handle because holy crap, I was been through some, you know, and here I am and I have to live and be, it's okay. And I was diagnosed with breast cancer in February. Okay. What was I? And I was like, damn, this is my body. Like my body is getting, no, like this was, it's my body. So it, you know, the eating disorder clicked in with the body, you know, and I'm like, not going there. Good. I'm going to take what I know from all of my stuff. And I'm not going to punish myself because I have breast cancer. Like why? No. So I fucking, not swear. I decided right there. I'm, these don't need to be my, my breasts are not my identity. I love them. I made peace with them, but they had to go. I want to live. I can, I got new ones. Great. That's my choice, but I chose to live. And once again, it was a saying goodbye to something of my body, which was very hard. And so I always say, gosh, how I got over my eating disorder. Now you're going to give me breast cancer? But no, just flipping that. Flipping that narrative continually is what I feel is going to help me um, make a more positive impact because I know that the, I'm continuing to be here for a reason. And I'm just so grateful to be able to talk with all of you and um, let people know that there is, a, there is so many resources, um, so many different um, ways of getting help. Um, people can always send me a message. I have everything you need, you know, different tools, free things. I mean, to help with, you know, hunger scales, I have everything and I do it because I care. <laughs> so if you need just anything, it's just get up, you know, send me a message. Cause I, it's, it is my pleasure. And I'm grateful to help those, um, in this realm. So thank you so much. Um, I appreciate it. Thank you, Aaron, and, and thank you for raising awareness in regards to the trauma component as it relates to an eating disorder. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Aaron, for sharing. Wow, you're amazing. You're definitely amazing. Um, I'm a firm believer, and I tell everybody this, like, when God is really dealing with you, you will go through so many things, but it's necessary for the process of your journey. This is all meant to happen to get us to where we need to be because We've been sacrificed. You know, so many people that need to hear our voice, so many people that need to hear our testimony. And we're like the voice for the voiceless ones, the ones that cannot speak, the ones that are afraid to speak. So I thank you so much for sharing your story. And I like that hope. Help one person every day. 
Thank you so much for all that you do. All of you guys are amazing. I'm sorry. Like I said, this is a sensitive topic for me, and I'm just my I salute all of you guys for being so transparent and vulnerable. And our last speaker is Dan Roth. He is an award-winning internationally recognized recruiter, DEI program manager, and keynote speaker. Diagnosed with attention deficit disorder at age seven, Dan struggled with anxiety and depression from an early age. It is this lived experience and dedication to create a more equitable world for his twin daughters that have enabled him to motivate to break through the confines of societal norms by discussing topics often deemed too uncomfortable. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our last speaker, Dan Roth. Hi, everyone. Um, yes, a guy at an eating disorder conference. Uh, I know it's somewhat shocking. Uh, before I get started, I want to quickly apologize to uh, Miss Abbott. I've been trying to stream uh, the event and got out of order with the names, so I, I sincerely apologize for that. Uh, it's such an honor and a privilege getting to be around such incredibly powerful, inspiring women. Um, I live in a household with my wife, two daughters, three pets, all are female. So this feels right at home for me. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's the way God intended it for it to be. And uh, that's the way I love it. So, you know, last time I spoke at one of Gigi's events, I talked a little bit about ADHD. And I'm going to start with that because that has a direct influence on what I'm going to discuss with you. Now, I want to get something out of the way. My name is Dan. I'm an overeater. I've had uh, this eating disorder since I was around eight years old. Now, why so young? That goes back to the ADHD. See, people with ADHD have a lower serotonin level than most people. And because of that, there tends to be a lot of cravings uh, to raise that serotonin. Growing up in Jersey, I, in a Jewish household, everything was about bread, sugars, and otherwise. And with that ADHD and feeling out of place and having the high anxiety, have, going through depression very, very young, um, I resorted to eating. I remember back when I was nine or 10 years old, my mother would do this thing where I would eat a bunch of junk food and sneak it up into my room. She would find all the wrappers and put them in my pillowcase. And it drove me absolutely bonkers. And whether it was the right thing or the wrong thing for her to do, it was a clear reminder that I was eating a lot. Now, at the time, I was an athlete. My metabolism was so, was so quick working that I was in incredible shape. I was 160 pounds all the way through high school. And the thing about it was when I was young and had the eating disorder, it was fine because I would never put on weight. In fact, I was muscle bound, workout, weightlifter, multi-sport sport athlete. But I hated my body and I could never get to a point where I was comfortable weight after weight day after day I tried to get more muscular I tried to put on more now I never did any drugs for it I want to be very clear on there but it was important to me and part of that was because growing up with the ADHD with the depression anxiety 
I wanted to be in control. Well, the one thing I could always control was my body. So I get older. And 13 years ago, I get into a really bad car accident. It was my fault, first to admit it. And all of a sudden, this flip switches. And now, whereas I used to be able to work out where it used to be my, my crutch, where I didn't have to worry as much about my body dysmorphia because I had always been in good shape, really good shape. Um, now, every time I ate, I was putting on weight. But not only was I putting on weight, physically, I was dealing with multiple herniations. I had nine concussions, a torn rotator cuff, a torn meniscus. Before 30, I was falling apart. And at a certain point, I started giving up. I started giving up because every time I would work out, I'd be in pain. And I tried and I tried and I tried. And every time I would start, my back would give out. I remember um, putting on a pair of, of Skecher boots and going outside and just the elevation and the heel caused my back to go out. I was out for two weeks. I would crawl inch by inch from the bathroom to my bed, sometimes staying on the floor for hours on end because I couldn't move. So I gave up on myself. I gave up on my ability to come back from it. My overeating, which once you would never have noticed, became me weighing almost 250 pounds, 40, 45 pounds overweight. Now, over this time, I would try to go cold turkey. I am not the greatest eater, everyone. I'm going to tell you that flat out. It is not even a matter of me not wanting to, to eat healthy. It was like every time I looked at certain things that I didn't necessarily like, I would feel myself gagging at the thought of eating it. So even though I knew that I needed to eat healthier, even though I knew that was the solution, and I would constantly make those uh, excuses in my head, well, I didn't eat that much this morning, so now I could eat more at night. Or I had a good day yesterday, so I'm going to eat more now, and I would gorge myself and gorge myself. You know those big boxes of Pop-Tarts? Well, those s'mores were my thing. And I started, I took the entire box. I would eat an entire box, four packs, when I was younger as a teenager. And I would eat it in one spot and still be hungry. Now, each one of those packs is 400 calories. So I was taking in 1,600 calories at a time, still hungry. So no fast forward. And I find out my children are going to be born. So I go to uh, Overeaters Anonymous. Never knew it existed, but I go. And I remember sitting at the table thinking, what am I doing here? And in that moment, that was the first time in my life I felt like, okay, well, maybe I'm not so out of whack. Maybe these are not normal behaviors, but there's other people like me that are going through it. But the problem there was, that in spite of it, I still wasn't mentally ready to flip that switch. The diet program that they wanted to go on, I, I couldn't bring myself to do. On top of that, my wife was having complications. It was like the more stressed out I got, the less I started, that less I was caring. I was looking at myself in the mirror being 
feeling disgusting. I'm sitting here today feeling disgusting. Straight up, I do not like the way I look. I never have. I never will. I don't think that's part of me. But over time, I started adjusting. Now, the reason I talk about this, the reason I'm not going for this big aha, well, you automatically get better moment is because that's not the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation is for many people have eating disorders, for many people have body dysmorphia. We have to act within the norms. And the norms are, no matter how hard we try, we are always going to be fighting. We are always going to be striving to be better, to understand ourselves. We're always going to wish that we could have one more salad, not Caesar. Apparently that's bad for you. We're always going to look in the mirror and say we could be a little bit thinner, a little bit tighter. And then we get older and we start getting a little bit more wrinkly. And it's hard because we remember what it was like when it was easy. So I don't know why, but I'm on day 130. Now I'm not eating perfect. But that's 130 days of not of uh, counting calories, of keeping myself accountable. I'm going on four months of working out every day, almost every day, five to seven days a week. But even then, I'm still an overeater. I still don't like the way I look in the mirror, and I'm still fighting to make sure that those calories that I'm eating. Yeah, I may only be eating 2,200 or whatever it is, but are they the right calories? And I'm still fighting to get to that point where I could say yes. So while there is progress, whether while there is the ability to sit within yourself and really strive to come out and say, I can be proud of this, that doesn't make it go away. So there's no Cinderella story here. This is the reality. This is we deal with. And the reason I talk about it is because more men need to in order to normalize these conversations in our everyday lives. I'm the guy that talks about the hard stuff and I do it for my daughters. Thank you all for your time. You've been a blessing to me. Thank you, Dan. Mm, thank you, Dan, so much for speaking for the men. We need more men to do that. Thank you so much for that. Then we're going to have closing remarks for our visionary Gigi Savat, and then we're going to close out with prayer. Wow, absolutely amazing. We heard from our amazing speakers today from all over the world. And thank you to our sponsors as well. And thank you all for joining us today. We truly appreciate you. And now at this time, I want to circle back to what one of our speakers said today. And, and the individual said, one of our speakers said, love your body. It's so important to, to love the body that you're in. And, and also to meet people where they are. Everyone's journey is truly unique. Yes, you, if you're listening to this message today, you matter. And remember that you are all beautiful. I'll say it again. You are beautiful. And I'll say it again. You are beautiful inside and out. And yes, your body matters. And yes, you can overcome. And yes, you are a warrior. Keep going no matter what. Keep moving forward no matter what. You do not have to remain stuck. You heard from all of the speakers today. You do not need to remain stuck and do what works for you. 
everyone is truly unique. It's okay. And it's okay if you have a personal trainer. It's okay. It's okay if you have a little bit of guidance. It's okay if you need to count each day. As Dan was stating there, he has tracked every single day that he's worked out and that he has eaten. It's okay. It's okay. Do not give up. I encourage you to keep moving forward and keep the faith. And now at this time, we will have a, a closing prayer from our master of ceremonies, Dr. Lakeisha James. Take it away. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Father, for this platform. We thank you for the individuals, Father, that was vulnerable enough to share their story, Father, because if we impact one person, we've done our job. We thank you right now for each person that's watching. We thank you for the ones that are experiencing eating disorder. We thank you for the ones that's going through the journey, Father, the ones that has completed. We just thank you, Father, for the strength, for the courage of the ones that shared today, Father. We thank you right now for the wisdom. We thank you for the strength, Father. Continue, Father, to give us what we need, Father, to survive. Because again, you you created us, Father, in the name of Jesus. And Father, we look upon the hills for where it's coming for our help. And our help comes from you, Lord. Wisdom comes from you, Lord. Strength comes from you, Lord. Love comes from you, Father. And we are individually and creatively especially made, Father, for you. You did not make any mistakes when you created us, Father. We thank you for this platform again. We thank you for Gigi, Father, the one that you created to talk about topics people don't want to talk about. We thank you for her, Father. We thank you for the journey. And Father, we ask you continue to walk with us, Father, on this day and days to come, Father. And we thank you so much for allowing us to raise our voices for the voiceless one. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our lives, Father. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you, Father. We give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. James, and thank you, everyone. God bless you and be safe.